Sometimes when I'm asked to teach a message, everything just comes easily, and it just flows, and it's like a download. And other times, the Father will give me something before I'm asked, and give me plenty of time to prepare. But invariably, the process is different each time. But this time was kind of a unique experience for me because a lot of times when I get up here and teach, a lot of times the subject matter moves me as I'm delivering it. This time, I was deeply moved as I studied. The title of the message is Delivered, Signed, and Sealed. And one of the things that the Father showed me in this message is that two things are at the root of our loyalty. Either love or fear. One of two things drives us to make decisions in our life. And when you make a decision based out of fear, somebody else can come along and change that if they have a bigger stick. But if you make a decision that's based out of love, like our Messiah did for us, and like He wants us to do for Him, it will change you from the inside out and it doesn't matter what happens on the outside. And there's nothing that anyone can do to change that decision because it springs from somewhere that's so deep that it can't be touched by a human hand. I want us to think about as we go into this that we might be the only Bible that our secular friends may ever read. And what does it look like to walk in His footsteps? You see, it starts at Passover. It starts with our personal deliverance. It starts with giving us a reason for the hope that lies within us. Why do we have a reason? Why do we want to walk according to righteousness, when everybody around us wants to walk according to the flesh? What's different about a person that's trying to keep commandments versus a person who is trying to indulge in anything that will give him pleasure in this life? It comes from within. Yahweh wants us to worship Him both individually and corporately. 1 Peter 2.3 says, If indeed you have tasted that Yahweh is gracious, coming to Him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by Elohim and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to Elohim through Yeshua. In order to have a healthy spiritually spiritual family, we have to be healthy spiritual individuals. If you build a house with rotten bricks, or if you have one course at the bottom 
that is not laid like it should be, then everything further up isn't going to look like what it needs to look like. Passover is about personal redemption. And it is the spiritual beginning for us. Exodus 12.5 calls the lamb your lamb. Exodus 12.5 says this. It says, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now, when they went through the Passover in Egypt, and then when we fast forward to the Passover when Yeshua was our Passover lamb, I want to focus a little bit on what he actually did. And as he went to the cross, and as he shed his blood, and as he, from the inside out, loved us enough to go through with what he went through, I want us to think about the fact that in a flippant, arrogant statement, the chief priests and the people that were responsible for what happened to him made this statement. His blood be upon us and upon our children forever. And I want to think about what Yeshua said because he said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And I want us to think about the awesome foreknowledge and the awesome omniscience of our Elohim. Because in the moment that those priests and those leaders made that statement, in spite of the fact that they were making a flippant statement saying, we'll be responsible for it. Let it be on us and our children. At the same time as that, I want to submit to you what is important for our salvation. His blood must be on us and on our children forever. Because if it's not, we have no part. You know, when he says, I am the door. I don't know that they didn't think about the picture of the Passover door. We've got to come through the blood. His blood must be upon us and upon our children forever. Could it be that Yahweh allowed those words to be used by those leaders and allowed them to speak that way in an unintentional declaration of truth? In another place in the scripture, it talks about what you meant for evil, Yahweh meant for good. It is necessary. It is necessary that the blood be applied to each and every one of us for redemption. Yahweh has made provision for us and it is available to us. The framework is there. But it's our choice 
whether or not we make use of it. I had something happen here a week or so ago. We built a brand new house. We moved in. Everything's going wonderful. And the rains come, and I'm smug in my room looking at everything coming down. Everything's looking good, and we go to bed that night. My oldest son gets up for work early in the morning. Mine's a little bit tied to the weather, so I didn't have to leave super early that morning. I still had plans to leave, but uh, those plans were completely changed in about five seconds. He came upstairs. He said, Mom, Dad, wake up. There's water in the basement. I said, there's water in the basement. And the first thing that I thought of was, this house is built on a hill. That's not even possible. And then I thought, if there's water coming in the back door, because it's that high outside, then my in-law's house would be underwater. And the third thing I thought was, the septic must be backing up. And it's coming in through the shower floors. And I thought, that's not possible either because I just checked last night and the water was running out where it's supposed to run out. And as I went through all of these scenarios, when I stepped downstairs, the only thing that I could think is that the provision that was made for this water must not have been done properly. So I stepped outside and took a shovel and dug down. We have a French drain inside and outside of the foundation. And when I got within about a foot of the opening of the pipe, water just, it, it came out, gushed out, almost like an artesian well would have done, just gushed out of the ground. Probably gave me, I don't know, six or seven inches, eight inches of lift coming out of the hole. There was that much pressure coming out of this pipe. And I was in the process already of putting this message together, and I, and I knew I knew the framework was there. But for whatever human reasoning that I had chosen to use, I had not finished applying the empty pipe to go out to drain the water away from the foundation of the house. The provision was there. But I chose, again, for whatever human reasoning, not to make use of it. So having just come through Passover and having just seen the cups, the sanctification, redemption, deliverance, let's make use of those cups. Let's start off with being deliverance. The framework is there if we will use it. Revelation 3.20 says this. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. We are delivered by a dramatic supernatural event before we can exercise our freedom and our faith. So I know that Passover was last week. 
But that doesn't mean that today cannot be the day of salvation. If he stands at the door and knocks, it would be a really great move to let him in. So we're going to move on from deliverance to being signed. And the idea that I had with this, when I, when I first was thinking about this, when you deliver a letter or mail or something like that, uh, where does it come from? What is it? And where is it going? And if I had an Amazon box up here, you could take one look at the logo from where you are and you would immediately know who sent it. You would immediately know where it came from. But it would take close examination to know where it's going. You would have to see the address to find out where it needs to be. When we walk out the commandments, we bear his name. John 8, 31 says this. Then Yeshua said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And again in 8, 34, again in book, the book of John, Yeshua answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Make disciples and be a disciple. It's not enough to stop at deliverance. We've got to walk it out. And we teach a lot about the commandments and about day-to-day -day living and, and so on here. So I'm not going to belabor the signed portion of this message. Acts 19, I'm, I'm sorry, Acts 9 verse 15 says this. And Yahweh said unto him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. And he was talking about Paul, Saul, at the time. And what was interesting is there were many believers who were afraid to go near him because of what he stood for. But Yahweh called him and changed his life, delivered him, and wanted him as a specific vessel to go to specific people to change his life and their lives. A signature is unique and personal. Walking out the commandments identifies us as belonging to Yeshua. Galatians 3.26 says this, For you are all sons of Elohim through faith in Yeshua. And with that, I want to move on to the sealed portion. And this is the portion. This is the portion that gave me pause in my studies. If we are faithful to the end, we will have our names sealed in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now I want to talk just a little bit about, now some of these things, 
that I'm about to say are my understanding of the books of life and the Lamb's book of life and so on. So I'm not preaching this as this is the absolute Bible. This is my understanding as I read and, and put this together. There is a book There is a book in the heavenlies that is being written. That book contains every act of every person ever born. There is nothing omitted from that book of records. There are things in that book of records that are written about me that I wish would have been overlooked. Not recorded. That I wish the ink would have run out on. But those things are written there says the things are written of them both small and great talking about of people of stature and of people of insignificance Exodus 32:33 says this and Yahweh says to Moses whoever has sinned against me I will blot him out of my book. Psalm 69. In verse 28. Says something else. It says let them be blotted out. Of the book of the living. And not be written. With the righteous. So we're talking about a book. That keeps record. And documentation. That will not allow us. Access. To the holy place. That will not allow us access to the Father. Will not allow us into the holy city. Revelation 21-27 makes another reference to this book. And there are, there are many more. I just wanted to highlight this a little bit. There shall by no means enter anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie. But only... Those that are written in the Lamb's book of life. And then I want to switch. To a reference of a different book. Malachi 3.16 says this. Then those who feared Yahweh. Spoke to one another. And Yahweh listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him. For those who fear Yahweh and who meditate on his name. So I ask myself the question, what is necessary to receive an honorable mention? And we go on into Revelation in chapter 5. And John sits there and he sees 
in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of Elohim sent out into all the earth. Now, if you wonder how he's keeping track, Seven spirits are going out and paying attention and writing the deeds of men. These are omnipotent spirits, omniscient spirits, spirits that are not, hid, are not able to be covered, contained, ignored, or shut out. They will see and they will write every action and every deed of every person born under the sun. And this lamb that was slain came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Remember the honorable mention? And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to Elohim by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our Elohim and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. And this is the part when I was studying where I was completely overcome. 
by the awesome wonder of what I saw. And I don't know if it was a vision. I don't know how it was transmitted into my mind. But I saw the awesome holiness and the terrifying majesty of the God that we serve. And if anybody would have opened the scroll of that book, that all-powerful, all-knowing being would have transcended time and space and would have annihilated and vaporized anything and anyone that was unholy, ungodly, and wicked written in that book. Because there was no one found in heaven to cover and to hold back His wrath. None. And I was overcome. Because I wouldn't be here today. Because His holiness would have destroyed my physical body. There is not a being alive who is capable of rational thought who can make a decision against Him and be covered outside of the blood of the Lamb. And the reason that all of heaven fell prostrate before the Lamb is because that Lamb, that Lamb, Stands between me and what's written about me in that book. He stands between me and the scroll and the throne. And he says, my blood is on that man. I've never seen the kind of awesome wonder. I've never felt the kind of awe from my Messiah that I felt in that moment. He delivered me, yes. I have tried to walk and to serve Him, yes. I have loved Him, yes. But to understand that every deed that is written in that scroll is what held him to the cross. That's what he took on himself. That's what became a part of his being. All of those things that were written about me, he assumed. Those things. And those are the things that drove him in love from the inside out.
to stay on that cross until he could say, it is finished. I want to read what I wrote. To begin to understand this scene from the Holy of Holies, we must try to grasp the unequivocal purity and utter perfection of the Most High. Nothing crooked or perverse can be uttered in His presence without immediately being vaporized. He is not bound by time or any other constraint. So his justice and his judgment would have been instant and total. And all who are deserving of his eternal wrath would be instantly dissolved. The Lamb, Yeshua, is worthy to open the scroll because nothing is written in it that he didn't pay the penalty for. He literally became every sin recorded in the book. And therefore, the book can be opened by him because his blood was shed and made available to cover every vile thing that was recorded by the seven spirits of Yahweh. He is literally the only being in heaven standing between the annihilation of all created things. And Revelation 12:11 says this, they overcame him, the adversary, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Now, I don't know how many of you know the root of testimony, but the Greek word testimony is martyria. So I wrote this, the extreme faithfulness of a people who were motivated by love and gratitude to their Redeemer is memorialized by our English word martyr, which comes from the Greek martyria testimony am I willing to be a martyr for the things that I say I believe their desire to have their names written in the book of remembrance and the lamb's book of life superseded even their desire for life itself. And in closing, my grandpa, was a Mennonite preacher. And many times, I watched him raise his hands And I, I'm bound a little bit by this mic today. I wanted to hold both arms out and take my talit 
and give you a picture of Yeshua spreading his wings. How I would have gathered you, he said, how I would have gathered you as a hen gathers her chickens. But Jude 1, 24 and 25 is the passage of scripture that my grandpa often chose to read. And many times, as he would be reading it, I would look at his face when he was done, and his face would be wet with tears because he understood what he was praying over the people that he loved. And so today, I want to do the same for you. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Elohim our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Amen.